This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Today's show is brought to you by 8 Sleep. Have you noticed how many mattress companies there are recently? So many. One company is different from the rest, and it's called 8. 8 is smart. It's the iPhone compared to the flip phone. By sleeping on 8, you can discover how many hours of sleep you need each night to feel energized. Visit 8sleep.com slash T-E-T-A and use the promo code T-E-T-A to get $125 off all mattresses plus free shipping and free returns. That's 8-E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash T-E-T-A to redeem this special offer. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, senior tech editor at The Verge. And you're listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is a show where we answer all of your embarrassing questions about consumer tech. It could be anything at all, like whether Kara Swisher is here in studio for this yes. podcast, or if it's a replicant of Kara Swisher. I'd like to have a replicant. Or if Kara Swisher is getting her son's a Boston Dynamics robot for Christmas. No, they just got a PlayStation 4. Oops, I just said it out loud. Anyway, there we have it. So send us your questions. Find us on Twitter. Or tweet them to at Recode or to myself or to Lauren with the hashtag too embarrassed. We also have an email address, although email is probably going to go away soon. If not, robots will be answering them for for us. The email is too embarrassed at recode.net and a friendly reminder there are two R's and S's and embarrassed. Do you think that's true? Do you think robots are going to be answering our emails? Nah, I don't think we're going to have emails, but let's move on. <laughs> Hopefully we're not going to have will, them. I will, I will speak up in defense of emails. All right, go ahead, Grammy. Okay. No, I'm, you know, I, let's not get into it now. All right, we'll do it. We'll do a whole show on it. We'll do a whole show on it. We should do a whole, that's I a great idea. I know. I would you guys them. like that? If you would like that, please go to our iTunes page, leave us a review. You can tweet at us. You can go to our Facebook pages. I know. have a Facebook page. Why are we taking suggestions? Because I like input from the people, Kara. Let's do it. You're going to make a great mayor. (laughs) I'm not going to listen to anyone. I'm going to just fix the city. Anyway, moving along. We're back in studio together. It's great to see you again. Yes, yes, good to see you. I missed you. you. I know. I was in DC. I was in LA. I was all over New York. I think I was podcast people. Podcast people. I was doing some great podcasts with uh, with uh, all women, actually, which was really interesting. Uh, Greta Van Suster and Tina Brown, Christine Brennan mm-hmm. uh, for different podcasts. It's uh, it's a uh, it was really fun. It was great. That's great. And thinking my kids were great. I was in Detroit. Yeah, how was that? I was in Massachusetts a couple times. Good. Well, now we're here good. together. And now we're here together yeah. at long last. And today on Too Embarrassed to Ask, we are delighted to have Rich Mahoney, the founder and CEO of Seismic, yes. in studio with Explain us. Explain Seismic. Seismic is a wearable robotics company formerly known as Superflex, which is a fantastic name, Rich. Why did you get rid of that? I love that name. Superflex was a DARPA program, so we, we want to be a... Uh, that. It feels like a superhero. Yeah, we can, st- just, we can still use it. We'll find a way to I use it. I had to endure Justice League over Thanksgiving because I have yeah. two sons, but thank God for Gil Gadot. She was amazing. But <laughs> By the way, if you're going to say that you have to change your company name, it's pretty cool to say, well, that was the DARPA. Yeah, I know. You know that fair. was the that's DARPA fair. project. So now I, I had to like, come I'm going to call it Superflex. Else. I'm going to ignore science. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's super, it would be a superhero. 
Yeah, I would. You know, Kara, super flex. Well, he's going to tell us about it. So tell us quickly about your background in robotics. You've worked in robotics for a long time. And at one point, you were the director of robotics at SRI. That's right. Yeah. So I I started out in robotics doing graduate work, uh, like a lot of people. And um, I have a a PhD in robotics, but quickly realized I wanted Cambridge, um, England has my PhD. Okay. All right. Um, And I. quickly realized I didn't want to do uh, research um, and was more interested in commercialization. And um, ultimately, that led me to the the position at SRI, where I was running the robotics lab there and responsible for uh, their DARPA programs, but also for um, what attracted me there is spinning out technologies and starting the companies. Explain SRI for people. uh, SRI is um, formerly Stanford Research Institute. It's, um, I think it's celebrating its 75th anniversary this year. It's really an amazing place. And I I gave a talk at uh, my kids' high school uh, two years ago in their technology week and asked how many people knew SRI. And the only um, two people that raised their hand were my two sons who were sitting in the, yeah, in the, uh, the audience. It's a shame it that people don't uh, yeah, know it's about wonderful. it. But, yeah. um, it is a, it's a nonprofit and it's a, essentially a spinoff from Stanford University. Um, but it, they do um, contract research. So their business is to do research for other people that want to pay them to do research. I and think Gar- I saw some surgical robotics there. It was cool. It was such a cool Yeah, place. that's right. So the surgical, so the the group at SRI that I was managing was where the Da Vinci system was developed and mm-hmm. spun out. But um, when the internet, I like to say, was two computers, one of them was SRI. And mm-hmm. um, and from that starting point, they just have yeah. dozens and dozens of new technologies they developed. And you were working on a robotic warrior suit for DARPA? Yes. Yeah, DARPA so is the defense. Explain DARPA. We should uh, yeah, so the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, it is the um, part of the Department of Defense that funds advanced research, and its main mission is to just... Uh, uh, um, avert technical surprise. So after Sputnik, the um, military wanted to promote investment in a way that would allow the U.S. to just constantly be out in front in terms of technical mm-hmm. innovation. And so um, pretty much every technology that's surrounding us right now was at some time invested in by investment. DARPA. Yeah, it's we really had Regina Dugan on stage many years ago at, Co- at, at All Things D, I guess, and it, she talked about the, yeah. the mock whatever, a 10 airport airplane or something. Yeah, it's just amazing. I I remember Pat Lincoln, when I first went to SRI, he's running the uh, computer science lab there, just saying that to him, DARPA is the best use of his tax dollars that that he can think of in terms of... um, the impact, but this uh, this superflex um, program that we were running at SRI was our project as part of a DARPA program called Warrior Web, which was a wearable robotics um, program that was an alternative to exoskeleton, so something that was more lightweight and focused on uh, reducing injuries and uh, fatigue for soldiers carrying heavy backpacks than it was leaping over tall buildings or or carrying big heavy loads like like you often see in Aliens or, or other science fiction or a John Claude Van Damme movie. Did you see that movie? No, I didn't. It was he, what was it called? I mean, I've seen Iron Man. John Claude Van Damme had a movie where he was an he was wearing an ex- oh all oh. Of the, it was fantastic. Kara, you look excited by it. <laughs> I think Kara wants seen one. It well, let's bring it back yeah. quickly because yeah. we're talking about powered suits, exoskeletons, yeah. all this stuff, and. By the way, shameless plug, uh, on the latest episode of Next Level, my Verge video series, we actually talked to Rich and other experts in the exoskeleton field and wearable Mm -hmm. robotics field all about exoskeletons. So you should go check out that video. But um, for people who don't know what an exoskeleton 
is. Talk about that and then talk about how what you're doing is a, a variation on that. Right. So our so um, Seismic now is bringing to market something we're calling powered clothing. And it is a, a form of wearable robotics like exoskeletons. Exoskeletons are bigger, bulkier. They're, they're skeleton frames that you wear around your body. They're stronger um, uh, motors that are helping to carry the body. And the early applications beyond uh, being able to help in construction and, and lift heavy things are for people, for instance, with spinal cord injuries to be able to carry the body and help them uh, be able to have therapy and and learn how to walk. And in our case, we, and, and what I saw and the reason I wanted, I ended up leaving SRI to lead this company was we developed under that DARPA program some more lightweight uh, uh, actuators, electric muscles that um, we were integrating into clothing. And I, I like to make the point that like all of us in this room right now are, are wearing clothes. Um, none of us are wearing robots. So uh, You can tell them the truth. Yeah. <laughs> none of us are wearing clothes no. in this room right now. <laughs> no, we are because we find it's appropriate to dress in the workplace. <laughs> Thank you. That's been an uh, ad for no more sexual right, harassment. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so so but, the, but these are, because the, a lot of wearable clothes, when you think of powered clothing, you think of those idiotic t-shirts that light up and some of the ones that are going to track you or your sweat or your heartbeat or things like that. This is different. Yeah, it's so, really, so we thought about like maybe actuated apparel as a way to describe oh, it, no, but we thought that, yeah, that was kind of too technical. And so um, powered clothing isn't really used to describe. Exoskeletons. I'd like to keep yeah. all your names. <laughs> I know, exo- exoskeleton is <laughs> cool, but so cool. it also does just create an image of something that's yeah, heavy top. and non-consumer oriented. I think mm-hmm. that's the other thing we were trying to do is we, we do want something that's more consumer oriented and uh, and uh, the, so the idea of powered clothing is just to think about like we're integrating this extra strength, wearable strength is another way uh, we describe right. it, into clothing. And we're, we're, we really are a clothing innovator. We want to add new functionality to How clothing. How about super clothing? Uh, I th- I actually like super suit. I you think, really well, don't like their name. <laughs> I, no, about, I only because I just seismic suit. That's the thing. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah, I think the that, suit. I'm okay with people. Seismic suit that is way. good. Yeah, yeah. But, I, but one of the things I noticed when I, I visited their lab down in Menlo Park not too long ago for this this Verge episode we were taping, and one of the things I noticed that was very different about your lab versus some of the other exoskeleton companies I've seen is that those feel like very industrial kind mm-hmm. of workspaces, and the and the product is kind of something you have to like attach on and they're they're soft goods but they're also like hard goods and metals against the body and your place looked like a fashion house like just in the way things were sort of laid out and designed it was like it's like seeing like you know racks of clothing around rather right, than yeah, metal and that, parts. And that was intentional. So it, when we, uh, so part of it that came from the DARPA program wanting to create something that was more lightweight, but when we started to put the company together, we realized that, like what, again, going back to like clothing is something that people know, we want to innovate around clothing and um, we really, uh, we built our team around apparel, fashion, textile uh, design and then we, we, you know, we come from a robotics lab so we definitely have hardcore robotics capability, but our, our workspace, as you're describing, looks, it's half of it is apparel development, uh, sewing machines, uh, big white tables, lots of fabrics, materials, mannequins everywhere, and the other half is benchtop, uh, electromechanical uh, um, workstations. But uh, And then actually for me, what's most exciting about that is like, so the space looks cool, but the, the interaction of the teams, and like when I talk about powered clothing to me, it's not just this technology that is our product. It's also the 
it's a new type of company. It's a new type that's this interaction of this fashion apparel design and this electric. So could you give examples design. of what you'd use? Again, I'm going to geek out because a lot of the super you know, people think of superheroes. I know it sounds dumb, but they just they always think of what's on the suit and what it does for them. Yeah, yeah. And they're so, lightweight, right? right like right. it was just when the, the justice. Well, like imagine like the Flash's clothes had special. <laughs> I, I, I'll let Rich answer because he's the expert. But like, imagine you know if you're, you're not looking for superpowers or to look 200 lift 200 pounds during your your day to day, but imagine you know you have like a hip problem right. right i would imagine or a knee problem or mm-hmm. something like that and then you're like i just need a little Extra. i just need a little boost yeah right like yeah, that so really, yeah, so think of them. like i mean he would love clothing yeah so we, we actually have a program where we're working with a group to uh develop a, a suit um evaluating it for kids with muscular dystrophy so mm-hmm. um that that makes perfect sense so our um and that's how to think about it like wearable strength we have electromechanical muscles that are integrated into clothing in alignment with your anatomy and there are sensors uh, uh, inertial uh, measurement units IMUs that are the same thing you have in your phone that are tracking the movement of the body and then we, they turn on the muscles as you're moving to align with These your movement. These electric muscles. They're electric muscles so it's all battery powered. Uh, so, so is it the clothing that moves or the body? Yeah so, so it's the clothing has muscles that are harnessed to the body so think about like compression wear right. that's grabbing the body. So if you if you go inside your body and think about how muscles grab your bones and and they contract in order to help you move, our muscles do the same thing. They contract and they're grabbing the body. Um, and as they contract, they're contracting with your, your hip muscles um, to provide extra strength. So th- actually, think about like a power electric bicycle. Um, so when you're when you're pedaling that, you get this extra power. Now think about I'm um, getting up out of a chair and I have these muscles that are working in my clothes to add extra power assist for me uh, to help get up out of the chair. Right. And what else? What other things? So, um, so the the product is focused on the core, and so we're really looking at, and, and it's a programmable suit, so mm-hmm. initially we're looking at things like standing support, so people that are on their feet for a long time. Um, you know, we're, we're focused on the core initially because we do see the senior population as a really strong initial market, but anybody that's kind of working hard and, and develops fatigue uh, around their core muscles from standing all day or... So um, jobs, those kind of jobs. Yeah, so, so jobs, uh, you know, anybody, any kind of job, a sales job, uh, someone behind a counter all day. Um, we're, we have a lot of activity in Japan. Um, there are the, the average uh, age of a construction worker in Japan, for instance, is 48. And so uh, we're talking to a lot of companies in Japan about how we can build some uh, powered clothing solutions mm. to support the workers there. Wow, mm-hmm. amazing. Um, so let's talk about broader about uh, things. Yeah, They're let's talk about robotics. Robotics. I mean, one of the general, things that we, we put out a call for questions around was this idea of, uh, robotics and how lately they seem to instill a lot of fear, fear in jobs. people. You may have seen the Boston Dynamics backflipping robot that people went nuts about on Twitter. In fact, I saw one tweet that went viral where someone just simply said, "We dead." <laughs> when they saw, and that was it. May have been Karis Fisher. Um, why do you think? People and then, and then of course we'll get into what this automation and robotics means for yeah. jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But why do you think people have had such a strong reaction to this Boston Dynamics robot? Yeah, I think the you know so there is already a ton of automation in the world and yeah. and people don't really react to that right. And so I I think it's because those robots are starting to look like us and mm-hmm. and there's and people relate to them somehow as being superior like physically at least and then with all the AI talk as well that there's. Uh, 
um, from an intelligence point of view that they could be superior to us, and that creates fear. And so, um, and then on top of that, there's just a whole body of science fiction, like the first movies, the, the first use of the word robot was about a play where robot workers overcame their human uh, masters, right? So so even the origin of the word um, evokes that kind of fear. Right. So um, I think it's just, it's, it's part of the culture. So I don't think there's any way... Uh, to move past it, I I do know from working in Japan that that is not part of the culture in Japan. They love like, robots. Yeah, they love it. They're not afraid of. When I talk to our, our Japan staff, they're um, they, they are kind of don't even understand. They have to take them a little while to understand. Oh, so people are afraid of robots. Well, where's it from? I mean, but one there's there's definitely. I just was using Amazon warehouse, and I was I was like, whoa! I, mm -hmm. I, it was the same to me as backflipping robots mm -hmm. when I saw those things moving. Around. I was like, whoa! whoa. Like right. it was it was sort of scary and fantastic at the mm -hmm. same time. I had both feelings, and I think that's how people felt about that robot. The, it was like, wow! And whoa! Mm -hmm. like, oh, right kind of thing. Um, I think it's from movies and and Terminator probably the most. But there's a million movies or robots kill us and there's just a few where they're nice to us essentially right, right. Um, yeah uh, but there's also that uncanny valley thing too where as yeah. Rich touched on a little bit right. that idea that because they're they're getting more I don't know if you would use the word human like I don't want to words you're right right they're yeah. starting like you look at some of their um the way that their limbs are moving and the way things are sort of shifting and there's something very fluid about it and you think, right. oh, that's human-like. And also with Elon Musk talking about it, he's always, I mean, he's, he, did, he did a we did around that one too. He's always... Yeah, of, I think he responded to that one that yeah, yeah. you haven't seen anything yet. So. Yeah. Where, do you, where do you put the Boston Dynamics robots on the, on the scale yeah, of Uncanny really? Valley? So, yeah, so when I saw that video, like I was energized by it. Like I definitely wasn't afraid of it. I wasn't, I didn't react to it in the same way. Like um, I, so, so when we, we we were at SRI, when I was at SRI, we actually had another DARPA program where we built a humanoid. And um, so I actually, what, what I saw in that, I, I knew where some of the component innovation was occurring that was allowing them to do that. And I was excited that they had reached that point. But I also, like, I, I didn't just watch, look, I went to their website and I wanted to just see what the latest was on the website. And actually, um, I was interested in the fact that like they actually have specs on it there, that it weighs 75 kilograms, um, it's battery powered, it can carry, I think, 11 kilograms. Um, and so that, that's actually what I was really wanting to see is because they were just purchased by SoftBank. You right. know, there's tons, you right. know, basically you have a, another organization with a bottomless pit of money because they were, they're bought from, uh, from Google is now owning them. And money is not the issue, right? It's really how, what are you doing? How are you figuring out how to um, transition this to something that's useful? So um, the big question that I have is just the battery is like, how long can the battery last? Because I, like, that's what I tell people. If you're worried about robots right now, then just unplug them or just wait till their batteries run out in 15 minutes. Like that's, that's the classic issue that everything has. And until we figure out, you know, the, the arc reactor, um, uh, that that uh, part of the equation, we're really not going to be able to do. Um, you know, we're going to be limited in what robots can do. Right. That uh, the humanoid robot that you worked on for DARPA was that ever deployed? So, no. So that specifically was to look at this issue of power um, efficiency, and so we built a humanoid that had a human-like gait that could walk for seven hours on a single battery charge. And so, and when you look at a robot that can do that. There, there, we didn't invent any new batteries. We actually went back and just looked at all the parts. And I, that actually, what I, the other thing I saw and what Boston Dynamics has done, and I think what we're seeing, I think we're we're doing this a little bit um, in our our approach at Seismic is that. Um, the last 25 years of robotics development has really been about how 
industrial grade robots right, we'll do and robot technology is trying to be applied outside of those industrial applications. And what we're seeing in some of these new robots that we haven't seen before is really new kinds of components, robotic components that are enabling robots that are more uh, able to work in uh, safely with people or able to do um, different ty- types of activities. And so every industrial robot that you ever see in a factory is plugged in. Power is not an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the efficiency of power isn't an issue. And no one's really thought about that before. So Gil Pratt, when he was running DARPA, um, the robotics work at DARPA, uh, had programs on efficiency of those, of those and going to things as simple as gears. Can we make gears that are that are more efficient for these these applications. Our our gears and our our joints are very efficient as humans. Um, there's almost no friction there, and so we're not losing power to to gears. But any kind of industrial robot is very inefficient that do way. Do you do? I, I want to get off the, the, into the jobs things in a second, but do you do any hire any anthropologists or sociologists to talk about it too? Because that's one thing that seems left out of that. I know Google, for example, is is working with anthropologists on VR, for example. Like there is, and I think one of the things that you're seeing now in some of these. Uh, issues around social media and the weaponization of social media is that they never thought, you know, like for some reason, these people never thought that there were some societal issues related right. to Right, it's it. like humans were left out of the equations to yeah, provide a service like, to oh, humans. Yeah, it's cool, and I could see it because yeah. I know a lot of the people at MIT and uh, you know I know lots of robotics people, and they just, the cool part takes over to the point where it's maybe not so cool right, to right. everybody. Yeah, and I think, um, so, our, so our answer to that question, question is we have two. We have um, biomechanics experts, so we are just looking at how the body moves and how can we integrate our components into clothing in a way that works well with the body. And then from the, the sort of anthropological point of view, we're looking at just traditional um, industrial design, user experience. And and so we are um, higher, uh, we have uh, industrial designers. We're actually um, recruiting a user. They try to make them cute. I mean, I've seen so many robots that are like adorable or fat or something. Yeah, and it's really, and I think that's they part are. of also, but, like but that's, around. That's what you need to have successful products, right? What's the Star Wars one, the fat Star Wars one, the tall, skinny one? He's the fussy one. R2-D2? Yeah. C-3PO. 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 Yeah, Yeah, C-3PO. Or Pepper. Speaking of SoftBank, their robot Pepper is like, it's quite adorable. It's a a retail robot, so it's supposed to greet you and it's supposed to help you buy things once you're in the store, but it's like, it just looks adorable. Can I ask a strange question? When I I was at MIT many years ago, because they're all in the robotics, is a big deal there. Um, one of the things they were, one of someone who was actually a coaching human being was talking about was the eyes that they had problems with the eyes always, and that was one of their. They were doing a medical one to to talk to patients through simple problems because I mm-hmm. guess the top twenty issues in an emergency room are all the same essentially, mm-hmm. and it's very easy to just diagnose and move people out so you can get to the real cases. Right. And so they were. They said the people that problem with the eye that was the that's why people they were better in every way except they didn't right. have a human. Yeah, and when you look at this social in, just social interaction between people, the eyes are so important, and I yeah. think that was definitely overlooked in early robotics work. And then there's been a lot of work, especially at MIT, Rodney Brooks, Cynthia, mm-hmm. Cynthia Brazil, uh, more right, recently. Cynthia. Um, has done that work. There's actually a, um, a, a, an approach in robotics where there's just a screen for the face and you mm-hmm. can actually put a human right. face there or, or some other You've kind of eye animation. Rolling around ones. Yeah. Right, right. And I think it, it's just part of this evolution that has to occur that we haven't, I don't think has been um, solved yet. So there, are, so robots don't have to look like people, but the ones that you want to look like people for them right. to be accepted, Caregivers. yeah, they have to solve those kinds of interpersonal issues. And it, it's just, it's still... Evolving. I don't. I haven't seen a robot yet that I think would be accepted into everyday life. Hmm. Right. 
Should we talk about jobs? Jobs. Yeah, we should. But but also, it's also. Uh, do, do you, I'm curious if you like the depictions, the, the media depictions of robots as a person who, because then we'll get into jobs because it's leading into this word. Yeah. So I actually have a. So I've given a, a number of interviews, and I'm and a lot of times the, the um, you know they're they're not uh, um, video recorded in real real time, but I'll still give you my reaction. But the mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of reporters that will start and they'll go right to that jobs question, right. and and I'll be like, really, you're. Um, that's your question. Like <laughs> that question's been asked forever, yeah. and, and it's no, been answered a million times. You're right. like, do you, don't you have a better question for me than just right. going back to the old right. um, jobs question? And so, um, I I do think the um, well, you know, people that are having their jobs replaced like it, so that's why we keep doing it. Yeah, and I think, but I think it's it is that's not necessarily always the fact of no, what's happening. No, so I, I think there's, but it's hard to tell the story of what actually is happening, right? It's not right. as easy as saying mm-hmm. job, like you just say jobs, and people um, can react to that mm-hmm. where. The story of what's actually happening is just a little more complicated, a little right. bit. Um, more, yeah, it's more, more nuanced than that. No, more it's nuanced, not just right. so introduced robots to market, therefore replacement. It's. Right. I mean, this is a. Well, we've interviewed a lot of people Gates about. Talks about it. They all talk about it like mm-hmm. that, though. So. Well, yeah, and there's and there tends to be sometimes, uh, and you know, from covering Silicon Valley, there's a little bit of a techno utopian approach to. Well, robots are just going to help us level up, right? So the the problem is not that the jobs are being replaced. The problem is you need to figure out how to level up because the robots are going to allow you to do something else. And I think that's a hard that that may be true in some ways, but it's a hard pill to swallow for people who maybe feel like they're getting phased out of the workforce as well. Right. Um, but the truth is also that automation has existed in factories for a long time now. Right. So and and with we talked about social unrest attached to it. As that which Silicon Valley. I've had this long running debate with Mark mm-hmm. Andreessen. You just did it on the stage. Just, you know, there's social unrest that they tend to overlook. Right. And so yeah. And so part of part of my answer is that I think people already know that this that somehow robots will impact the workforce, mm-hmm. and most of our. Um, thoughts around that are just reacting to it. Sure. Um, there's not good planning from That's a government, government point of view, yeah. or even an understanding of how things will evolve. And I, like, I sometimes um, this gets really. I don't. I don't have a economics degree, but I look at you know our our democracy was set up 250 years ago, and we created this economic structure that was based in technology and understanding 250 years ago. And we have technologies now that could let our economy work differently or we could use those technologies and manage them in a way that let our economy uh, work work differently. I, mm-hmm. I, I tend to look at robotics as affecting quality of life and the quality of what we're doing, not jobs. And that we, mm-hmm. we tend to focus on the people that have jobs and we tend to focus on the the our country where jobs drive the quality of your life in mm-hmm. general, but the world um, overall, there's you know lots of people that aren't living a high quality of life, and even two people that have the same dollar in their hand don't mm-hmm. have access to the same quality of healthcare point. and education and other things like that. And I do think robotics can help to create more quality in terms of the standard of living that that people have. And in some ways, it's already happening in manufacturing if you accept that. Um, the use of robotics in manufacturing has allowed the cost of durable goods to be cheaper. Like are our cars well, cheaper? Benefiting. Right. So more people are able to buy cars that are high quality with the same dollar than they would otherwise if um, we weren't using automation to um, maintain quality and, and, and the fact that costs. some jobs are repetitive and not. Right, right, should not be done by human beings. Yeah, we get, and I, that. We get uh, that. Yeah, I think that's totally the. And so, so my perspective on jobs is actually um, when I was at SRI, one of the trends that I saw really early because we were, you know, we were doing DARPA work, but we also were doing um, again contract work for. 
um, companies that wanted uh, to see robotics developed for to solve some of their problems. And what I was seeing is that they weren't coming in and saying we need to re- reduce our costs and let's get rid of uh, workers. They were saying we don't have, we can't get enough workers. Like manufacturing is experiencing this in in China and the right. U.S. and other places. Like there's huge turnover. Um, there's lots of safety issues. The 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 new generation and this happens in every. Um, developing economy where manufacturing drives standard of living that the next generation doesn't want to go to the factory every day. Um, so you end up, um, what, what I was seeing is across like mining and agriculture, manufacturing, retail, that people were trying to find robotic solutions to fill what I refer yeah, to no, as a the labor job gap. Loss, the, yeah. it, there are jobs. It's, it's interesting. It's an issue. Mm-hmm. I think the issue is a lot of people, you know, when tech told us social media would just be great 100% of the time, it's turned out maybe not to be so much, or the government was supposed to be paying attention to jobs when they're not even paying attention. That's really the issue is they're not even thinking about it. Right. Um, it's it's hard. It's um it's hard to figure out how to shape the economy around what jobs can offer or, or, what jobs or how jobs can evolve from um, based on robotics. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a big topic. Um, but we're going to talk about we're going to question we have tons of great questions from our audience. We're not giving you a hard time, Rich. We're just, <laughs> you know, it's a worry. Yeah, it's part of my. I'm so yeah. sick of listening to Silicon Valley people some days. It, it, it's an <laughs> occupational hazard for it's me. Yeah, be so great. I don't go this out to dinner. Twitter is going to be great. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, God. What did Donald Trump do today? <laughs> Something awful again. Um, in just a minute, we're going to take some questions about the future of robots from our readers and listeners. And Rich is going to answer them. But first, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, Lauren. Touching. All right, that's good. I am your robot overlord. You're doing like. Danger will. Can you Robinson. put an effect that on that? That I just said that. Okay, is that cool. A danger. Will what you Robinson just heard was my real I'm voice. Dating myself with Will Robinson. Um, we have to think of a new thing besides Kaching for 2018. I, that sounds good. Let's put a pin in that. Let's put a pin in that. All right. All right. Let's do it. Today's show is brought to you by Simple Human. Their goal is to improve the way people go about day-to-day tasks, one innovative product at a time. They sent me their latest product to try, and it's really cool, and I like it a little too much. It's a touch-free motion sensor trash can that you can also control with your voice. I am driving everyone at my house crazy talking to the trash can. Uh, If you've got a mess of stuff you need to throw away fast or just want to toss a paper towel from far away, the Simple Human sensor can is for you. The can is tested to last more than 150,000 cycles. That's equal to 20 times a day. I do it like 50 times a day for over 20 years. In other words, bring on the trash. You can use your own trash bags or you can use the custom fit liners from Simple Human. They're stronger, neater, and they fit perfectly. So if you're anal retentive like I am, you'll enjoy them. You won't realize how much you'll enjoy using one of these until you have it. And I have to say, I really am enjoying it more than I thought I would. Um, They're available in, in a single bin or with two compartments for recycling. Uh, and Simple Human Sensor comes in five beautiful different finishes, brushed, rose gold, white, black, stainless, and dark bronze. Visit simplehuman.com to purchase your sensor can with voice. Enter the promo code ASK at checkout to receive 15% off any of the sensor cans with voice. Again, use the promo code ASK at simplehuman.com for a discount on your own voice-controlled sensor can. We're back with Rich Mahoney, the founder and CEO of the wearable robotics company Seismic, which I like to call Superflex. We're talking about the future of robots, and no surprise, our audience has a lot of questions about that topic. It's we got a ton of people love robotics. So many questions. Yeah. Lauren, would you read the first question? I'd be happy to. The There's first... areas. We have areas to yes. talk about. 
the first section is really about robot safety, the uncanny valley. Uh, Elon Musk's comments, because we just can't seem to get Elon Musk out of our podcast you know these what? days. You know what would be a mind fuck? I bet Elon Musk is a robot, and then he's doing it to make us hate robots so that he can be the only... Anyway, just... Just thinking out Elon, you're welcome to come on the show no, anytime. Now he's going to really even if me. you're a robot. Yes. All right. The first question is from Brianna Wu. Great, Brianna Wu. She wow. says, "Hi, Brianna." She says, "Because I'm a Boston resident and I know I don't have access to a 40 watt phased plasma rifle, how can I protect myself?" <laughs> We're getting right into it. You see, it's not just how could she protect herself? Rich, it's not just us. right. So, Brianna so Wu. today, just wait 15 minutes or unplug the robot. Like it's, um, don't uh, recharge it. Like, a, and that's the biggest. There, there's just is not a battery solution that will let robots do like pick any movie that you want of a robot destroying us and um, the power supply for those they robots. They take over is, the electric grid secretly. That's right. So <laughs> if they Terminator, right, but they still. Yeah, but right. haven't you seen Short Circuit with Johnny yeah. Five? So that's who my no yeah. Alive? So I, I always say just unplug them. Like just uh, oh, that is wait not good yeah. enough. I think right. a four, I think everyone should go. have a forty watt phase plasma rifle. Yeah, right. that's that's really reassuring Rihanna. actually when you think about like these you know giant war robots with human like. Gears who can destroy us all. Out the the, just thing. unplug it. I, yeah, just that's what I write. Damn thing. Uh, I always say, well, what's the battery? Airports like, and plug themselves into things. All right. Like ask things. what's all the right, battery? Next question, Pranav at Mr. Pranavesh. Everyone says that humans are in control of AI and can turn off, uh, can turn AI off if something goes wrong, like a kill switch. My question: What happens if AI learns how to disable or override the kill switch? Is it possible? It's literally all the Terminator people, my people, mm-hmm. my base. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a base. Yeah, so, that, so like apart from the going yeah. back to like just turned it off, you yeah. know. Um, I think that the other the other thing to look about, and I actually uh, think about, and I. I really like the looking at how technologies actually really do become adopted and a part of our society. And I read a book, um, The Age of Edison, um, a little while ago. I don't know if you know it, but it was about from the invention of the light bulb to when the country was fully electrified was about 10 years, which is kind of ridiculous. You think about it, we went from having no electricity and to yeah. having a, a light bulb and then all, all of this, um, this technology. But if you follow what happened there, in terms of like there was just this crazy period of wires being run everywhere and people dying from wires falling on them and no regulation. And then and then from that mayhem emerged regulation and uh, you know, reaction to how so so um, at some level, like what Elon is saying will happen. Like cars are regulated. There, you know, um, nuclear technology is regulated. Like we we learn from the technology and it's not like we're gonna be like, why did we suddenly yeah. decide not to regulate this technology if it was somehow affecting us. And then the other part of it is that if you think about AI, because then th- there is this view of AI that there's emergent behaviors. We don't know what we don't know about what can happen with AI. And so I accept that, but at the same time, right now it's not pervasive. It's not It's not like we all, like I, like I robot the movie where everybody has this humanoid robot in their house yeah, when we get to that day, like we better make sure that we have some fail safes there that those robots aren't taking over. But today we don't have that. And so there's a lot of time between now and now and then for that to happen. And regulation and, and yeah. understanding will, will emerge during that time. We'll see. Until then, 40 watts. Until days, then. Yes. A rifle, please. Uh, Next one. This was a good question. Yeah, and there was a little li- uh, video link to it, a, gif- a gif link to it humanity. that you can't see because you're listening to a podcast, but I'll explain it. Uh, this is from Ian Fay. How is it that I am terrified of our upcoming Terminator future, 
yeah, I feel viscerally horrified when someone kicks a robot like this. And then uh, he linked to a video of someone kicking up uh, one, one of the robot yeah, know, dogs, right? right? So uh, that's a good sort yeah, of psychological or sociological question. Like, why yeah, is it that we feel ro- bad have a soul. about, right, do robots have a yeah. soul? So, data. yeah, data so, yeah, so we can, uh, I don't know if I can answer the soul question, but I think the, uh, when, when you look at people have a personal relationship with their cars, they have a personal relationship with, yeah, they're, so it's part of being human to actually relate to things and to somehow give them human emotions. And I think when you have something like this robot that is even more like us, that it's just, it, it's built into our, our, our DNA, how we um, interact in that way. And so I, I think that is really natural. Like I, I think it's, and I, I've faced this when early in my career, people were looking at how could you use robots as social um, devices for the senior population. I would be like, well, that's inhumane. They should have people um, coming and talking to them. Well, if people aren't available, there's a lot of um, older people sitting at home staring at walls. Why isn't it okay if they get value from some kind of uh, robot or or other interaction that's not um, not real, but still bringing value to them. So I think you have to always go back to, to what's um, real yeah. that way. We attach our emotions to things. I yes. had this incident not too long ago when I was taping another video, and I was talking to a video of uh, a Holocaust survivor. It's down at USC, at the Shoah oh, Foundation, yeah, yeah. where they've captured all these testimonies of genocide survivors. And they've applied their own natural language processing system the to these videos yeah. so that you can have a very natural sounding Q&A. Yeah, only, and yeah. at one point I interrupted the video and I apologized. I was like, I, oh, I'm sorry. It just, And then I was like, I'm apologizing to a video because it felt so real to me. Well, to if you video. saw the new Blade Runner movie, there's yep. actually a relationship between a robot and a animated um, uh, a being that is like just a, a, a visual representation yeah. of a being and, and we can relate to that as people so it's yeah not, I think that was uh, very easy yeah. we had a we had a great interview with Jared Leto who played the trillionaire mm-hmm. um, and how when he killed the the replicant because it wasn't pregnant I guess just right away everybody was horrified and, he, and Jared I was like how did you think about that because people it was like a human being and mm-hmm. he said Oh, I just was throwing my iPhone at the wall, which I thought was a great answer, mm. if you remember. Huh. I said that. Oh, that's interesting. You were there. <laughs> I know, I was there. I was just, just staring at Jared Leto. Okay, all right, next question. Anyway, it was true. It was like, he was, Hi, um, it's just like breaking an iPhone. Who cares? And it, it was a really great mental, right, mental right. leap that he made there, I thought. Um, this is from uh, Kerry Watkins. Understanding that robots will quickly be moving into the healthcare space, how are companies dealing with the uncanny valley? Is it better to get your pills from R2-D2 or a robot that looks like a human? Oh, that's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. That's a Question. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think that that's right. It is a design question. It's a product question. And so mm-hmm. the reality is that just because you make that doesn't mean that the market will use it. And that's you know what what I've learned in um, working on a lot of early stage commercialization is that um, if in the case where using the robot is better, it's because we built a better robot that people accept and solves a problem in a way than that is better than what's happening now. So um, there's lots of low quality care and experiences in healthcare. So I think there's a low bar there at some level in terms of um, what sometimes what we're trying to um, accomplish for people. But I think in the end, it's it's a product and how good is the product development that was done. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, this next question. Well, there are lots of questions about Elon Musk's remark. So after uh, this new video of the backflipping robot came out, Elon tweeted, this is nothing. In a few years, that bot will move so fast, you'll need a strobe light to see it. Sweet dreams, dot, 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 which is like as ominous sounding as you could possibly be. He's like, ha ha, I am Tony Stark. And uh, so people on Twitter 
including uh, Sally Kuchar from Curb, yeah. who works with us here in the office. And a bunch of other people wrote to us when we said we were doing this episode and they were like, what's he talking about? Is this a reality? Are these things going to be exponentially faster in yeah, just and a few I'll years. Preface this, we've had Elon on stage talk about this quite a bit and he mm-hmm. threw everyone into a tizzy when he talked about the fact that we were in a, in a simulation. That went, <laughs> that went forever. So he's always doing this. This is an Elon special. It's a trademark. <laughs> TM. Peak Elon. But, you know, he's, he's, he's done it a lot around AI, around right, robots. Right. Around, he mu- you must all be like, that Elon, stop it. Yeah, I don't, like, I, it doesn't affect my day-to-day before the reason I'm saying, like, we, we have to make a product. I have to make mm-hmm. payroll. I have to, like, raise money for the, for the company. I have to find customers. So, but in terms of robotics in general, like I've talked a little bit about it, that there's a, there's a natural progression that's going to occur. It's not like we're going to wake up tomorrow and, and everyone opens their front door and there's a robot standing there. But there's also like going back to what I said before about Boston Dynamics is that there's a ground truth about what technology can do now. And if this robot is going to move at those speeds, then there needs to be a motor there that's moving it. There needs to be a power source that's that's controlling it. Um, there, there's some um, uh, technology that was shown from MIT recently for gripping and is really lightweight gripper. And then they talked about needing air. They're using air pressure to mm-hmm. um, uh, control it. Well, the compressor is part of that equation. And so we have to remember that the it's not just that gripper. There's all this other technology that's yeah. behind it. Um, I think the AI question is, it's, it's um, like I, I actually would make the case that AI is already regulated. And so the FDA, for instance, regulates all medical devices. If you're saying you're using AI somehow to solve a medical problem, that's, that's um, any kind of computer code, any kind of electronics that is part of a medical device is regulated by the FDA. Yeah. So there's already processes for it. That, that's right. So it's already best. there. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and robots themselves are already regulated. Like the yeah. uh, robotics industry is regulated. Mm-hmm. So, As yeah. So it's not like this isn't there already. Already. It's mm-hmm. just that will it will evolve in a way that's responsive to what the technology right. can we're, actually do. We're going to move into other things, but let me just say to that to, to all those people: there's always liquid nitrogen. Remember, just get yourself a liquid nitrogen pack and point it at that right. robot that's running fast, and you'll be, probably be okay. You sound like such well, a prepper. Are you saying this from your bunker? No, that's from Terminator, like ten. Thank oh, you. Okay. But he'll also control who gets to go into space. So I think you shouldn't have robots on those spaceships, right? So people should just be able to go places where there aren't robots. So oh, if they're really right. worried about them. There's got to be robots in space. you got to bring them along. Come on. I mean, yeah. Who's going to go out and get the milk? I mean, yeah. all right. I'm going to start so doing pull-ups like Sarah question. Connor did. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. She's just great. be ready. She's great. All right, Jane Thurber. Okay, this is about home care and elder care. Okay, as boomers age, how long until robots can help us stay independent at home? Guide us on walks, monitor health biometrics. Need, she needs this in ten to fifteen years. Yeah, so we got a lot get of questions about this. We get gotta, on it, Rick. You know, for the sake of time, I'll just read. All of these were very similar. We had one from Liz Nasty Weeks. Uh, why isn't anyone talking about the possible efficiency and quality of life gains for home service care with robots? Mm-hmm. Paul Page, uh, can the tech in these robots be used to replace or advance wheelchairs, walkers, other devices that help the disabled? And Tony Fratto says, when I'm old, I hope there will be a robot to help me around the house, pour drinks, pick me up if I fall down. If it can do backflips too, I guess that would be cool. <laughs> so talk right, about right. the care thing, because it's a really, it's, it is an interesting area. And you're talking about also helping uh, the, the, these robots, you wear them. I, Dean Kamen, I remember, had that seat that helped people get downstairs in New York who were in wheelchairs. A new yeah, so mo- wheelchair. Most of my career before SRI, I worked in developing rehabilitation uses of robotics. Right, uh, the arm I, and the grabbing. Uh, um, I, I'd done some work looking, using robots for stroke rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. I, I actually understand that area. And I, what I would say is that I'd left you know, probably one of the best jobs in robotics running the lab at SRI uh, 
um, to uh, to do this company to solve the problems that, that um, they're talking about in that question. That um, so we want this uh, suit to be like where where our initial focus is a wellness focus, but we want it to solve that problem. We want it to be available to people who are starting to lose strength um, because they're aging and being able to be more independent, um, live in their homes longer using this super suit, seismic suit um, technology. Um, so, so it cuts both ways when you look at um, now going to um, what other kinds of robots, like a robot um, uh, uh, waiter or maid in, in your home, um, having um, a uh, the Boston Dynamics technology that you're seeing is the precursor to those kinds of robots that can do more. And I think the thing that's missing in that robot, and then the thing what Boston Dynamics is really known for is walking robots. Walking like they're um, so it's hard to do. Yeah, and, and what they've done, and they and they are the best at it by um, bar none. And so, but what you're not seeing is um, arms and dexterous hands, and that's really um, one of the last horizons. And so, like the Amazon Challenge, if you're aware of that, mm-hmm. um, what Amazon is interested in now, they have all these mobile robots. Um, that they bought um, with Kiva, but they want hands at the end of those robots that can reach into bins and pick out one, two, which two people are now and, doing, right? Which people are now doing, mm-hmm. and again we have there, yeah. right, and we have issues with people having enough people to do it, and yeah. um, it's it's not a, uh, a great yeah, job. Yeah, it's a really interesting. So question. I actually think the arms. Um, there's a company uh, called Moly Robotics, which is uh, touting a set of arms that are uh, kitchen device, uh, uh, basically a, um, an appliance that you can have over your uh, stove, and they can. Uh, make and prepare food for you, and there are two. They look like two human arms with a dexterous hand at the end. And I, I think that kind of solution. Like I think I know it's it's difficult to build something that's consumer grade right now. We're we're getting closer and closer. But so how even timing. What's the time? I mean, Kiva is one of the most important acquisitions Amazon made. Yeah, I think so people don't think talk about that. Right. So think about this ten year window that I just described. So even the iPhones that we all have, the the um, smartphones. They took 10 years to become pervasive and also to uh, create the kinds of applications that we're now seeing, and even still there, there's innovation. So if we say that within you know the next five to 10 years, we can see that technology, which I think we're right there. I actually, I've made this um, statement before that I don't think there's a technology hurdle there. I think there's a, um, it's a, a people hurdle. Like, it, like people ask me, what was the key to our success at SRI? It wasn't the technology, it was the people. And it's mm-hmm. always the people. And you know this when you're interviewing um, about companies here, it's really about the individuals that had the insight and that were able to apply the technology to the right the, way. The right. But, but in terms of technology, like is this woman going to have to have a hurricane when she's 10 to 15 years old or is she going to have a hero robot? What do you mean by a hurricane? Hurricane is a cane that old people use. It's oh. very innovative. Oh. Yeah, so right. But it sounds like what he's saying is that with regards to, to home to care, the, the dexterity of robot yeah. hands is right. really going to matter. Yes, and movement. Exactly. I think movement right. is one. So I think within 10, 10 to 15 years, we will see the first of those products emerging and that, that will be useful. advanced wheelchairs and things like that? Yeah, so people have been working on that for a long time and I don't I don't know why that we haven't been able to know, do better. So they still use regular wheelchairs. Yeah, it's just well, that, they I mean, work pretty well. Yeah, I've seen better design, but... Like, like, look at um, the technology we now are applying to cars. Why can't you get in a wheelchair and have it move you around? Uh, I, um, uh, you know, there are, they are a form of robot in some regard. If you mm-hmm. if you think about a mobile robot and someone's sitting in this mobile robot, um, but we haven't quite figured out how to um, integrate the technology. The X Men one was cool. Yeah, it is. It just a, looked like that, right? Like, they look, um, they look terrible. Yeah, and so what, that comes back to a lot of like, even if I look at what I'm doing, I'm just in a startup trying to yeah. get, uh, like, how do you get it funded? How do you get your first, uh, like, that 
process um, of getting the resources mm -hmm. together, the team together, is part of the challenge in, in yeah. robotics to um, to have this. So yeah, wheelchairs are so, so mechanical; they're not digital. It's really yeah, it's, yeah. They yeah. really I are. I guess they just work. And it, and you look at um, you know uh, Google taking a shot at it. Mm -hmm. um, you've got uh, Toyota putting a ton of money. You know, have SoftBank putting a ton of money, and and so it's not the money, right? It's mm -hmm. the it's it's some it's some level combination of yeah, a techni technology platform and people that uh, know how to transfer it out. We have even more questions from our readers and listeners, but we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. We'll be back in a minute with Rich Mahoney from Seismic. Today's show is also brought to you by Eight Sleep. Have you noticed how many mattress companies there are recently? So many. One company is different from the rest and it's called Eight. Eight is smart. It's the iPhone compared to the flip phone. Unlike its foam counterparts, the 8 Smart Mattress is an innovative bed that uses real technology to help people sleep better and live healthier. By sleeping on 8, you can discover how many hours of sleep you need each night to feel energized. You can also optimize your day and night by connecting it to other Wi-Fi-enabled products in your home. Do you need coffee in the morning to function? Well, now you can program your smart mattress to start brewing your coffee the minute you get out of bed, I swear to God. The 8 Smart Mattress has everything to meet your individual needs. Visit 8sleep.com slash T-E-T-A and use the promo code T-E-T-A to get $125 off all mattresses plus free shipping and free returns. That's 8-E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash T-E-T-A to redeem this special offer. Next questions, go ahead. Uh, these questions are about, well, we're back, back, to, to, we're back jobs. to jobs, but, but brought more broadly industry and the economics of robots. Uh, Uni Sankar asks, why should a humanoid robot that backflips comically without earning a single dollar get all the attention when more than 300,000 industrial robots silently work 24-7 in factories worldwide, which impacts the bottom line of their owners and the top line of the vendors? Um, I think he's more making a statement than asking a question, mm -hmm. but it sounds like he's saying these backflipping robots mm -hmm. are getting the attention and meanwhile yeah so the, actually the, yeah the reason for that is um, I kind of alluded Sorry, to it earlier cool. is that yeah besides that it's cool and I, I definitely think it's cool um, there's not a lot of those videos that I see that I think are cool and yeah, I, no. uh, that one I uh, was excited about Did you like look at these videos like Ugh, so what most <laughs> like, of them yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're one of those robots now yeah, yeah. no I know so them um, yeah, I know them I get my, my fix at, my at work my ex um, did a lot of robot mm -hmm. stuff and she'd always be like Ugh, that's nothing and I was yeah, like, yeah. talking about <laughs> just push a tennis ball up a hill. Yeah. So what? And Megan would like take out a napkin <laughs> yeah. and draw some design exactly. on it and be like, well, this is how it should work. She right. wanted the robotics <laughs> challenge. Um, but the, that industrial automation that um, the question refers to is is like a first case. And, I, and um, we kind of overlook it sometimes because we say industrial, mm -hmm. but it, it is a service robot application, people making things for other people. Mm -hmm. And we started to use robots to, to do that in a way that, yeah, at, at some level it was um, reducing labor, but it was... The, we did it for a reason because we could make higher quality parts. We could make them faster. Um, and so, if you look at there was a chart I saw a few years ago that the um, the cost of durable goods compared to any other um, product has leveled off since the mid 1980s. And the reason for that is because the um, the use of technology automation has reduced has maintained a fixed level of cost for those things. So now you look at Again, the Boston Dynamics robot, why is that important? Because we're starting to see now new technologies, um, not just industrial-grade technologies, but new component technologies in robotics that can serve the, 
the rest of the service industry, which is orders of magnitude bigger than manufacturing itself. So having robots that can go, like there's a company, Savioke, that that does uh, bell hop kinds of uh, robots in, yeah, the in ones hotels. Yeah, uh, room service. There's right. going to be that's going. There's not going to be room service. So it's right. remarkable because not only because of it looks cool, but because you're saying that the components that are used to make those gears and make things work and stuff like that are inherently more accessible now yeah. and right. affordable. Right. Oh, I think room service robots is four years or five. Years, I think. Yeah, they're and they're already deployed. They're, deployed. they're already restaurants. Happening. Right. Robot, right. The restaurant. Any any mobile robot that's not manipulating something yeah. is is just, just good good business. So uh, this is one. Uh, shouldn't robots pay taxes? I mean, this is an issue that I think it was brought up by Mark Cuban or one of, someone was talking about this or Bill Gates. How uh, would society function in the future with more robots than unemployed humans? So shouldn't robots pay taxes? Oh. Um, and then the second one, is, which we want to get through, is do you think there should be licensing requirements the way we have for those architects, engineers, and lawyers? How do we balance that against the employment opportunities created if the barriers to entry remain low? So let's talk about taxes and, and regulations. Licenses, licensing. yeah. Yeah, so I... I don't think just a tax on service robots is going to be useful in any way because I think anything that impedes the yeah. the ap- application of them in an artificial way I think is not necessarily good. So I think we do have to just look at what the real impact is on the economy and like right now I think that I was starting to say earlier that the this gap, this service gap, there's a big demographic shift that's going on. The population is aging. It's already really intense in in Japan and other Asian countries that there's not enough people to do the service jobs. And I actually think that gap is going to drive the the innovation. Like there's a, a company in the Valley, Dishcraft, that uh, is focused on dishwashing robots. It sounds just mm-hmm. very basic and simple. And why do we need this? But if you think about, sounds magical. Yes, right. So imagine having that at at home. But there's huge like industries that mm-hmm. restaurants and um, any kind of co- uh, conference yep, yep, facilities yep. Uh, yeah. all need that kind of technology. Absolutely. All right, so that leads us to the last question. Go ahead. Sure. The last question is from Steve. I'm for robot taxes. I say yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but who's going to represent them? They'll get some low rot lawyer. They'll get <laughs> some taxation. They'll be a real good lawyer. <laughs> robot lawyers, fine. And I'm good with that. Um, are they gonna, they're going to have to go to like robot school, like lawyers go to law no, school in order to get their license. There's going to be a like, robot bar seconds. exam. It'll they have to meet the bar. Two seconds to learn what it takes. Um, my brother, nine hundred years to learn. All right, fine. Steve O'Dell, Mile High Devs. This is the all last right. question well, for you. Rich uh, has been so patient. I know he really. Speak for yourself. I keep seeing U.S. built robots doing cool stuff with questionable utility, while mm-hmm. Korea and Germany keep churning out products that immediately go to work. Mm-hmm. Where do you see the educational and R and D center of gravity yeah, in ten that's years? Good, we're stupid. We like stu- them doing dumb yeah, things. I like guess I, I don't see that actually. I see. I um, agree. Yeah, I think uh, the U.S. is absolutely the um, the innovative leader in robotic um, application true. and development. So we're not always. I definitely see this that. Um, we're not always the early adopters of that technology, and some of it is cultural re- related to jobs and reaction to robots. So Germany, um, Japan in particular, both adopt our technology sometimes faster. That's than, interesting. Than Why we, is that? I mean, it's because Cuban, I think, would get a thing saying that China could get ahead of us in these areas, and we're already at the forefront. Yeah, and I the think worry so. Was that right? Especially like China right now has a has much higher government support for the use of. 
um, robotics. And in the U.S., we have this, you know, we have no support for the use of robotics. We, we actually have this um, issue that robots are bad and, and politicians are afraid to talk about robots because it, of the, the job issue, right? And whether for better or for worse, it is what it is. And it means that the, the application, like if I look at Japan, there's actually subsidies for products for seniors, the robots that support uh, seniors because of the demographics, because of the cultural views of, of robotics in Japan. Mm-hmm. So, so there are, it is something what, that we have to pay attention to. Why is um, it? No, because our politicians are freaking idiots. I think, it, and it, like, I do think that we need some. We need a view of robotics that isn't just a cultural reaction to them. And, and right now, there's not. True. Yeah, there's just not a good. Um, uh, you know, the, the U.S. funds robotics. DARPA funds a tons of robotics. We are, we are, our, our innovators drive. Um, uh, Boston Dynamics is in Boston, right? It, the people that came from MIT. It's an American mm-hmm. company that that is capturing the attention of the world. Mm-hmm. But um, as a country, we're not necessarily early adopters. I think and we're, we're in peak technology hating right now. All I'm getting is books about how technology is going to kill well, us. Well, for yeah, and, and for robots though, that's that is definitely true. Other technologies maybe not as much, and we're and maybe people aren't realizing that there's automation there that's impacting us in ways that are we're afraid of for robots, but I'm not totally mm-hmm. following. Yeah, uh, yeah. well, it's really point. interesting that you brought up Kiva Systems, which was also a Boston company that Amazon ended up acquiring and for their warehouses. Is like People probably aren't making the connection when they go to Amazon.com and they put, I want same-day delivery, I want two-day delivery, that they're experiencing a really great convenience, right, but right. the place it's coming from is par- at least partially automated. Yeah. Right, oh, right. Lots. I mean, there's right. you go can look go at my videos. Food. Yeah. I was going to say, the food we eat every day, right. you know, if you're if you're getting something from Big Ag, there's some process that's automated. Yeah, there. and here, here's another thing to, to think about in terms of, like, what's going to happen is that that innovation and the problems that, like, Amazon is focused on right now this each pick problem. So, like before, when um, the robots and were solving problems in manufacturing, they kind of put them in cages and they stayed there. When Amazon solves each pick, this dexterous picking of things, now I have something that can uh, can do uh, yeah, go things in my home. They can do things in restaurants, and so I do think that the innovation that manufacturing and logistics are focused on now is going to open up more. Oh, absolutely! Uh, it's going to be like AWS. It's going to be mm-hmm. Amazon will have. I'm not, you can't call it Amazon Logistics Services. Mm-hmm. A robot ARS maybe. They'll have. They'll right, be the ones right. that will. You are in a name picking mood today. I like this. <laughs> what? You're really, you're you're brainstorming today for names for things. I like, like ARS. ARS. We can't call it ALS. That's a terrible yeah, disease ARS. that this yeah, man yeah. perhaps will help solve. But yeah. um, in any case, this has been fascinating. And when we come back, we're going to talk about cyborgs and when we're going to get human looking. When's that? Yeah. When, when's that happening? Oh, I, I think it's already starting to happen, right? You're seeing it. Yeah, you're seeing it in the, uh, Lauren was saying earlier, the robots are moving, humanoid I mean, robots face, are moving like people. Like oh, the real, face. You know, like humans, Ooh. that show. Do you like that show? Uh, I do. I'm a science fiction nut, so yeah. I any any kind of... Uh, I'm wit- rooting for the robot. I can't wait till they take... Battlestar Galactica oh, you're yeah, talking but about. No, yeah. no, no, humans. Human, H. Oh, oh yeah, so I, I haven't spent much time with that. Yeah, with they're animals, always so. mean to the robots, so I'm rooting for the robots. I can't wait till they wipe out the human race <laughs> in that particular <laughs> series, because they're real mean. The yeah, yeah that, um, I mean, that is part of the problem. Robots, robots really don't won't do anything These to us that people don't tell them to Steven do right now. Spielberg so. did a great film. It wasn't a great film, but it was an interesting about that, about the, the humanity, and of course, in uh, Blade Runner, uh, you don't realize who's a robot and who's right, a replicant, right. which is interesting. I have one more question before you let you go, okay. which is, um, if you are someone who's interested in getting in the robotics industry, yeah, and, where do you go? You know, you're looking MIT. at the next ten years. Are you looking? Should be looking at programming robots. Should be looking at programming automated systems. Where Where are the jobs? Yeah, be? so um, it's a really good question. And the thing about robots and that. Question. Um, 
just when I leave you, Kara, I'm going to go do robot stuff. <laughs> but that's just that robots are, are everything, right? So I look in my company, uh, I've got um, electrical engineers, mechanical engineers, engineers. I've, I've got data scientists, I've got software um, engineers, and I now have UX designers, I um, have public relations specialists, like the any you know, the, as that robotics industry grows, like every aspect of business operations yeah. is, is going to be needed. to tell um, the story. Needed. But what I, what I always story. tell people is like whatever they're interested in, the best thing you can do and that is really amazing in robotics now is just make them. Don't, like you can buy robot kits, you can, um, there's so much available What's to you. and the popular one this year? The little tiny round one is super popular. What's it called? The, my kid wants one. Mini or... It's, there's a new robotics yeah, kit out I this year. Yeah, it's real popular. It was in one of the purchase lists or one of was the lists. Yeah. But that's why when I'm looking to hire people, I'm really looking for people that are just obsessed with making them, that they can talk about the different types of motors and, and the different types of software. And um, and so there's um, it's so accessible. And so my, my access to robots came through science fiction. I read avidly growing up. There mm-hmm. weren't really the clubs and kits that are available now. And so that's what I, I really tell people to do. And then um, just look for, and it's in every company also, like uh, all companies are really looking at, you know, I saw something recently about a, a new C-suite title uh, called Chief Robotics Officer mm-hmm. that companies, you know, you, um, automobile manufacturers have used robotics, but think about like Pepsi or sure. whomever with their warehouse and logistics, they want to understand how to use robotics. So so it really is going to be pervasive um, in, uh, across all, all and industries. And what's the best school right now, schools? Yeah, I, I mean the top schools that are everybody knows like uh, MIT and Stanford and Berkeley um, robotics. for robotics. Carnegie Mellon has has a really long standing um, relationship, or I'm sorry, um, reputation for um, robotics. Uh, uh, I think that there are lots of other any good engineering school that um, and any kind of any good mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, computer science, computer engineering. All of those degrees um, are are going to support uh, are going to be useful for. Yeah. And there's um, also robotics. the robotics challenges, like Dean Kamen does. What's that called? That's the. That's uh, first, first robotics. robotics. Right? There's yeah. all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, and there's so many people, so many young people that get to participate in robotics, and I. It's really great. Like even um, like if you look at high school clubs. Again, it's not every person has to be a programmer, no. and you need someone who's a project manager. And I, like I've, I've got a son now, I'm advising for college, and I'm just like, you're so good at thinking about lots of different things. Like people, uh, a mechanical engineer isn't necessarily a great project leader, and so we need people that can manage um, teams and think about the market. And yep. um, I think just think there's a lot of opportunities. So there's way. a growth area in building robots that will replace us. <laughs> no, I'm teasing you. <laughs> that will enhance that, the quality of our lives. I'm teasing like you. Yeah. I want, we want you to come back and talk more about robotics and cyborgs in the future. We'll be back, right? Yeah, we'll maybe back. next time it'll be the real Kara, too, not I a replicant. Totally miss my joke. Eric got my joke. <laughs> oh, totally. I got the joke. Arnold. <laughs> Anna, 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 be back. Arnold. Uh, he's got to stop saying that, I think. And so do I. All right, this has been another great episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. Rich, really thank you so much for thank putting you. up with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Rich. And if you all enjoyed this week's episode as much as we did about our robot overlords, be sure to subscribe to the show and you can leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. And when you subscribe, you'll be the first to listen to new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes where we answer all of the tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. If you're not an Apple podcast, you can also subscribe to the show on Spotify, Google Play Music, really wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can just go to the web, www.recode.net slash 
podcast. There might be an HTTP. It might actually be the easiest way to discover a podcast these days. Uh, And while you're there, you should check out our other podcasts like Recode uh, Decode, Recode Replay, and Recode Media with Peter Kafka. The Verge also has some great podcasts. There's the Verge cast, which is our flagship, hosted by Neelai Patel. And we also have a new show called Why'd You Push That Button with Ashley Carmen and Caitlin Tiffany. said that in a real... Why'd You Push push That that Button? button. They did one... uh, Everyone makes fun of the way I say button. That's fine. I'm used to it. But, you know, they did a good one a couple weeks ago about why people rewatch their own Instagram stories. What? Yeah, it's good. Just take a listen. All right. I don't do that, but okay. Um, and don't forget to get your questions ahead of time to at Recode or with the hat. That was just a what? Uh, <laughs> Why'd you push that button? What? You've been missing uh, out. I know. Don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Rico with hashtag too embarrassed or email them to too embarrassed at Rico.net. Thanks for listening. And thank you to our sponsors. Also, thank you to Cadence 13 and Vox Media, which sells all those ads. You can listen to this show for free. Great. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. We'll be back next week to answer more of the questions you've been too embarrassed to ask. So tune in then.